Hello and welcome to the podcast Where Did the Rabbit Go? A podcast where every week we look at a certain claim that has been made on social media, in the news, or something picked up in a casual conversation and go down the rabbit hole. I'm your host Marco and this is show number 27 for Thursday, August 6th, 2020. Yes, we have made it to August. We have reached a new level in this survival game of 2020. So, are you still fine? Are you safe? Can I do anything for you? Well, from the distance, I hope this little podcast can help you get your mind off things a little bit for the next 20-ish minutes. So before we begin, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming back and spending some of your time listening to me just ramble about a topic. For today, let's go back to episode 15. On that day, I let you fine folks choose the topic of the episode on an Instagram poll. And the option that was not chosen still had received some votes. So I promised to also treat that topic in an episode. Well, that day has finally come. And afterwards, we are going to play another exciting edition of Find the Fake. But first, dear rabbits, let us go into the rabbit hole for this episode. It's a conspiracy theory. But not any conspiracy theory. I would say it is the mother of all conspiracy theories. Because, as you will see, a belief in this one goes hand in hand with all the other conspiracy theories. Oh, this one will make your heads hurt. So let's put our thinking hats on and jump headfirst into this rabbit hole. Alright, before we go into it, just a few words about the term conspiracy theory. It's a term that I don't really like because the word theory is not used correctly. A theory is a concept, a body of knowledge, something that has been proven through experiment. And that's exactly what a conspiracy theory is not. It has not been proven. In fact, they cannot even be falsified, because for their defenders, any evidence against that conspiracy gets turned around into part of the conspiracy theory. For example, If you show a photo of the Earth taken from outer space to a flat Earther, which proves that the Earth is a globe, they will just dismiss it by saying, that's what they want you to think. Since it cannot be falsified, a conspiracy theory is not a theory. It cannot be. The correct term would be conspiracy hypothesis. But that does not roll off the tongue as easily. Another way of calling them, I guess, should be conspiracy myth. And that's the one I'm going to prefer. The mother of all conspiracy myths embodies two topics, really, named Pizzagate and QAnon. And the more you look at it, the more difficult it gets to choose a starting point. But I think it's best to go back into the year 2016. Good old times. Several countries still did not have their science-denying leaders that they are currently having in charge. But one of the countries mostly interesting. Of course, I'm talking about the United States. 
Barack Obama's second term was about to end and he could not be re-elected again. The top candidates in that election were Hillary Clinton for the Democrats and Donald Trump for the Republicans. And during the race up to the elections and the campaigns, we could really see a changed landscape. Of course, candidates would always try to bring up the dirty laundry of their opponents. That was nothing new. But in the 2016 presidential race, there was a whole new level added to it. It appeared that the parties would not even draw back from using fake news in order to discredit their opponent. Especially Trump managed this new philosophy that a lie becomes the truth if you just repeat it often enough. Of particular interest became the email account of Hillary Clinton, which was filtered by WikiLeaks. Several anons started to become obsessed about this. Anons are people who post things on the internet anonymously, therefore the name, Anon. And those Anons started creating the narrative that these emails must be proof that something big is being hidden from the population. In those leaked emails, there were certain words repeating like pizza, pasta, chicken, hot dog and cheese. And yeah, sorry for making you hungry, dear rabbits. In their anonymous posts, repeatedly, the claim was made that those very common food terms were code words to hide criminal behavior, which would allegedly implicate members of the Democratic Party and ultimately Hillary Clinton herself, as well as Barack Obama. What was the motivation behind creating this narrative? Probably to tilt the very tight presidential race in favor of Donald Trump. The conspiracy theory of Pizzagate was born. The main idea of it? That there is a ring of pedophiles, which operates in the basements of pizza restaurants, and is controlled and protected by powerful politicians from the Democratic Party, as well as celebrities from different walks of life, and that they would murder the children for their blood to make use of it in rituals. According to the belief of the supporters of this myth, those elite people needed the blood of the children and a hormone in it because drinking the blood would give them eternal youth. I am going to say this one more time. According to the belief of the supporters of this myth, those elite people needed the blood of those children and a hormone in it because drinking the blood would give them eternal youth. Oh my. And there's the claim that Donald Trump would be the savior who would fight all this evil to dismantle the organization and in consequence free those poor innocent children. I'm also going to repeat this one more time. That Donald Trump would be the savior who would fight all this evil to dismantle the organization and in consequence free those poor innocent children. And several anons claimed that the day Trump became president, Clinton and her supporters would be arrested and thrown into jail in Guantanamo Bay for their crimes against humanity. Okay, just to be clear, pedophiles and child pornography are a real existing problem which has to be fought with the whole power of the law. There is not a bit of doubt about that. But the whole narrative of Pizzagate creates this scenario of a 
gigantic cover-up that spans over many huge institutions on a national and federal level. But more about that later in the episode. Anyway, we all know how the presidential race ended. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by a margin of almost 3 million votes more than Donald Trump. However, the distribution of those votes across the United States led to Donald Trump having 304 electoral votes against Hillary Clinton with 227. About the fact that there's something fundamentally wrong about this whole system, that out of two options, the one with less votes becomes the winner, that's material for a whole different episode. But as the system currently works, Trump was the elect president and took office in January 2017. Well, so that should mean that the narrative of Pizzagate would have fulfilled its purpose and would stop at that point. Yeah? Yeah, you think. Because now the stage is set for the second part of our conspiracy theory, QAnon. So what does the Q before the Anon stand for? Q is a clearance level, the highest one at the US Department of Energy, which means it's a top secret clearance level at the Department of Defense. So a person with a Q clearance had access to top secret information. This can be seen in several Hollywood blockbusters, sure, but it is not fiction. The existence of this clearance level is public knowledge. Well. In October 2017, Trump already being president, one Anon claimed that he had this high clearance level and was starting to share supposed information and he or she chose to stay anonymous for proper safety reasons. Q was not the only Anon to claim to have clearances. There were others to make those claims about being a former member of the FBI, of the CIA. You pick one. But for some reason, this Q quickly gained followers, especially by people from the far right of the political spectrum. Just to be clear, what does far right mean? It means those people with the belief that there are certain God-given hierarchies that must be followed and that one race of humans should be superior to others. Those worldviews that go with this are the ones of fascism and Nazism. So Q had a big number of followers quickly and would keep posting claims that go along with the lines of Pizzagate. More than that, there were secret powers trying to establish a new world order according to Q. Which of course is not much liked by the people currently in a privileged position, like Q's followers. Hence in 2017 Q Anon was born and has been growing in followership ever since. And at first glance, their movement looks rather positive and patriotic, at least it might. This can be seen when we look at their most popular hashtag on social media, WWG1WGA. Where we go one, we go all. You can find many people on the internet on diverse social media platforms repeating this mantra in short videos. Really like an oath to become part of that movement. And other popular hashtags are Take the Oath and The Great Awakening. Well, but it's not at all as peaceful and patriotic as it first looks. What's the harm? 
Well, just look at the aggressive landscape and the divided country that the US is now. And QAnon supporters have made the news headlines in several times in the past for being aggressive and dangerous, including kidnappings and an armed roadblock on the Hoover Dam. And the FBI has labeled QAnon as a threat. Well, in this corona pandemic, QAnon has gained traction again. Remember the idea of establishing a new world order? Well, there's this idea that Bill Gates wants to reduce the world population with a microchip in the vaccines that he is financing, which would help other powers to establish a new world order. And again, this is a rabbit hole for a whole new episode just about Bill Gates' conspiracies and we shall go there, I promise. Or, what about the face masks? That they are a way by the government to control and undermine us all, again to establish a new world order, according to the QAnons. So not surprisingly, QAnon followers are eating all these ideas up. As I said, this is like the mother of all other conspiracy myths. The believers that September 11 was an inside job of the US government. Of course they dig this idea. Or the same idea about JFK, or the idea of the moon landing being staged. Or the idea of chemtrails, that airplanes release chemicals to poison us all. Oh yes, this is all stuff they include in their repertoire. But how realistic is such a conspiracy myth like QAnon and Pizzagate? Well. Have you ever tried to keep a secret? As long as you keep it to yourself, you might succeed. But what if you share it with only one person? What about a group of people? Let's say five friends, you share it with five friends. Very soon, your parents, your teachers, the neighborhood, everyone will know about it. Or to quote Albus Dumbledore from the Harry Potter saga, what happened down in the dungeon between you and Professor Quirrell Harry is a complete secret. So naturally, the whole school knows. Right, it is really hard to keep a secret, the more people know about it. So a conspiracy theory like Pizzagate involves a lot of people. Think about it. It involves Clinton and Obama, which includes everybody from their teams, everybody in Obama's government, probably even the whole Democratic Party. They all need to be kept quiet. It probably involves the FBI and the CIA. And remember all the celebrities? Hollywood would be involved. Bill Gates and the entire Microsoft company. So very quickly, you have hundreds of thousands of people from all different areas of businesses in top positions, all knowing about this huge impactful secret. And not a single one of them would speak? Come on. And the thing is, with time, you need to keep more and more people quiet. If it were real, of course. And the whole idea of somebody with a queue clearance sharing all this delicate information, whether it be true or false, yeah, that's a good story for a book or for a movie. But in reality, it would not get very far. Because sharing federal information is a felony in the US. And with current technology, it would be very easy to find out who posted all this. If you want an example of the consequences of sharing federal information, just look into the name Edward Snowden.
It's just a few years ago. By the way, the idea of such a ring of pedophiles to murder children for their blood is not new. That story has existed before QAnon, and it carries quite some baggage. Let us look at the terms blood libel or ritual murder libel. This is an anti-Semitic story which accuses Jews of murdering Christian children in order to use their blood as part of religious rituals. Sounds like something I mentioned before, right? Historically, these claims are heavily linked to the persecution of Jews in Europe. It's nothing new. This myth has been used to persecute Jews since the Middle Ages. And Hitler and his Nazis included the same myth in their propaganda in order to create feelings of sadness and hatred in the German population directed towards the Jews. So, if you know anyone who seems to be attracted by this movement, you should question them a bit if they know about these backgrounds, how that view of theirs is linked to anti-Semitism, to fascist worldview. And if they insist, you might want to question if that is a person that you want in your circle of trust. QAnon is a good example for something that many studies have found. If a person is willing to believe in one conspiracy myth, they are more likely to believe others as well. And QAnon brings pretty much all of them under a single roof. The followers of QAnon make a lot of noise, and they seem to not even fear from violence. It is a group of people who share a dangerous worldview which has become more and more marginalized and have been pushed out of governments and are probably realizing that the time of their popularity is over and ideas like Pizzagate are pretty much just a projection of their own way of thinking onto the opponent. Why do so many people jump onto the train of such an absurd belief system? Well, just today, when I was already going to record this episode, I heard this interesting idea from Sascha Lobo, a columnist for the German magazine Der Spiegel. According to him, this is related to the so-called IKEA effect, or IKEA effect. And you're all familiar with it. If you bought a piece of furniture in a store like IKEA, and you had to assemble it yourself, then you have more emotional value attached to it than to a piece of furniture that just was delivered to you already built together because you have put work into it and effort and you will love that piece of furniture and defend it even if it's not perfect because you messed up somewhere in the process of building it. That's the kind of feeling that such a conspiracy myth gives their supporters. There is an assumption, like any of the ones from QAnon and Pizzagate, and people go to Google because they want to follow up on those assumptions, which leads them, most likely, to other QAnon websites, which confirm these notions. Those people enter into a bubble, an echo chamber, which creates the illusion of something being valid just because it is repeated everywhere they look. Because they have already entered a subset of web pages that assume the value of that conspiracy myth. And again, this can be applied to any of them. Flat Earth, September 11, chemtrails, you name it. So that's what happens. Those conspiracy myth supporters have this emotional feeling that they discovered some truth in there themselves. That they built this theory. Well, not a theory. That they built this hypothesis themselves. 
And then they even see some celebrities making similar claims. So they are willing to defend this idea. And even to convince more people about really irrational ideas, like the idea that Hillary Clinton would be eating children so she could stay young forever. It's insane. Well, I can tell you, to look at the claims that this movement really makes is simply disturbing and sickening. So I'm kind of glad that this episode is done now. Let us now turn to something way more cheerful. It is time to reveal our weekly game of Find the Fake. This one contained four interesting and also funny stories about German soccer. And first of all, an apology, because on Instagram, I mixed up one video with the text label for it. The text was right, but the video wasn't. I posted the correct video later on, but of course the confusion was already out. And maybe that's the reason why not so many people played along this time. Maybe you were afraid of guessing. Anyway, let us look at the four stories that I used to fool you this time. Item number one. Due to coronavirus, the German Bundesliga now allows the referees to send the player off with a red card for cuffing. Item number two. The oldest current professional player plays in the second division of Germany and is 45 years old. Item number three. Once a player got bitten into his butt by a German shepherd during a game. And item number four. In the German Bundesliga, once a game ended too early because the referee was drunk. Four interesting items and you can still pause right now if you want to play along. But here's the reveal. Item number three was guessed by 18% to be the fake. Was a player once bitten by a German Shepherd? This one is true. This happened to Friedel Rausch in the derby Borussia Dortmund vs Schalke 04 in the year 1969. The stadium in Dortmund was completely overcrowded with people sitting at the sidelines. And when Dortmund scored the first goal, many people invaded the pitch and security guards had to control the situation. So they went on the pitch too, with their dogs, German Shepherds. That's when the situation happened. By the way, Friedel Rausch played the game until the end. For the reverse match at Schalke Stadium, security brought lions into their stadium. True story. You can find footage of it. Item number 4 was also guessed by 18%. Did a drunk referee end the game too early? Yes, it's true. This was the 1975 game between Werder Bremen and Hannover 96. Referee Wolf-Dieter Ahlenfelder had a heavy lunch before the game and apparently joined it with a few beers and a schnapps. That's what he admitted when being asked. Somehow he lost his notion of time because he ended the first half of the game after only 32 minutes, which according to the rules should have been at least 45 minutes. Item number one was also guessed by 18%. We had a nice spread there. Can referees now draw a red card for a player who's coughing? Yes, and not just in the Bundesliga, this is a new international rule. Of course, the referee still has to judge each individual situation. But when a player deliberately cuffs into the face of another one, that player may be sent off for that reason. 
That leaves us with item number two being the fake. And it was picked by 45%. The oldest professional player is not in Germany and he is not 45 years old. The truth is actually much cooler than that. If you thought that 45 years is too old for a soccer player, you picked the right answer for the wrong reason. The oldest known player in the second division in Japan for the club Yokohama FC is currently 53 years old, Kasuyoshi Miura, and he is breaking all the records and still seems to be in very good shape. 53. A shout out for getting it right goes to Andrea Rodriguez, to Gupika, and to Mr. Gentleman, who is also a podcaster who you should check out. Alright, my dear rabbits, this is all for today's episode. Thank you so much for spending some time and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something. You can find my podcast on Instagram at Where Did the Rabbit Go? Over there, you can always participate in the trivia games on Tuesdays. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are very easy and painless ways to do so. You can rate and review the show whether you are listening on Spotify or on iTunes. That would make it easier for other people to find the podcast as well. And please subscribe to the show so you get it into your podcast feed automatically every time there's a new episode. Communicate with me using the hashtag where did the rabbit go on Instagram or Twitter. Write to me about insane conspiracy myths that you have heard about and how you explain to somebody that those myths are irrational. Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?